the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and God the man the gospel that has been just read to us today is about one of the very great miracles of our Lord Jesus Christ if we were to classify the miracles of our Lord Christ based on their power, how powerful they were. I think we should put the the miracles of raising someone from the dead as the highest form of, of miracles. Doctors heal the sick. I mean, we can make food for many people. Definitely not from few loaves of bread. However, the the one thing that no one thought of is that someone can be raised from the dead. As you remember, Mary and, and Martha, when they met with Jesus Christ, both of them said the same thing. If you were here, our brother would would have never been dead but he is dead now we don't think that you can do anything especially he has been dead for four days so this is one of the the three miracles that are indicated about raising people from the dead I know it is not they are not the only three there are some in the Old Testament there are there is even one more in the book of Acts Tabitha however By the power of God. Jesus did it by himself. But the, the one thing that, that struck me today is when he told the, the mother, the widow, of the, the, that son, of whose son has died in a tragedy. A widow in a very old society. I mean, now if someone died, it's a tragedy. But I mean, there is a government support, there is social security. If the woman is working, she can work. In that old days, a widow is one of the most vulnerable people in the society the weakest as far as protection as far as provision as as far as the provision for her for her needs and this is her only son and he died i mean the worst of tragedies and jesus he went and and he the the, the before doing the miracle two things has been said about jesus that he did before calling the, the son to rise from the dead. The first thing, he had compassion. This is not the point I'm going to emphasize, even though it's, it's a huge one. For Jesus, the miracles are not amazing things that he, 
he did. He didn't want to amaze people, <coughs> to surprise them, to please them, to fascinate them. But it is affection, compassion. I think that's a huge point. Our God is not just powerful. He's the lover of mankind. Huge difference. Power is a word that control this word. The president of the United States that will be elected two days from, from today is a very powerful person. Very powerful person. In politics we speak of power. In career also we speak of power. I mean, in America, people are equal. I mean, you don't call someone mister. It's no longer that. Your manager, you don't call him mister Flan, mister some, mister so and so. You don't need to do that. It's a very egalitarian society. However, you respect him. Because he can fire you by a word. Just he can call you for a meeting and say, thank you for your service. We were... It was greatly appreciated. This is your last day. I think it happened with many. Power. Our God is not just powerful God. Our God is a compassionate God. A lover of mankind. Again, this is not my point. What struck me is that he called the, the, the widow and told her, told her, do not weep. Do not weep. Why this struck me? Actually, because I asked myself, okay, here, <clears throat> he told her, do not weep. In the miracle of raising Lazarus from the dead, actually, he never said, and he never asked Mary and Martha not to weep. Moreover, or rather, he himself wept. By the way, this is the shortest verse in the Bible. In Arabic, in English, Jesus wept. Bakayasua. Two words. The shortest verse of the whole Bible is this verse. John 4, John 11, 35. Jesus wept. So the, the question is, why did he weep in the case of, of Lazarus and and he asked the, the, the widow not to weep. I think this would lead us to ask why people would weep. Why do we shed tears? I think the, the, the toughest situation that we shed tear in when someone we loved is that is gone. We shed tears. We weep. Okay, but here he asked her not to weep. I think the, the answer is, this is the answer I came up with. I, I thought, okay, why two, two similar situations, the reaction of our Lord Jesus Christ is, is different. And I think he was giving two messages. In the case of, of Lazarus, I'm going to begin with this. He was looking to the death that has dominion, that had dominion over his creation. 
And I want you to think of the, the, the old days. I don't know if the young folks here remember this or not. I don't think they remember it. But I remember when we started to use computers, there wasn't that kind of auto-saving function. And many files we spent hours working on. And just a click by mistake on close, we lost the file. We lost hours of working, hours of concentration, because there is no autosave. All the work you've done is gone, irreversibly. You cannot retrieve it back. I think that's the, the feeling of a God who created a creation after his image and likeness. He did the best. He prepared everything for that creation. And he saw that creation good. And then he created man and he saw man very good. Not out of exaggeration, by the way. The, The Bible doesn't use the language of exaggeration. So when he, when the Bible says very, it is very. So when Jesus stood before the tomb of the dead body of Lazarus, he saw his creation captive to death. That's why he wept. And on the other case, he saw the same thing, but he wanted to point out to something beyond that seeming death, that physical death, which is the coming resurrection. And he showed his power of resurrection, eternal resurrection, by raising the body of that man, who will die again. But he wanted to say, I have the power of life. And that's exactly what he said to Mary. And Martha, he told them, I am the resurrection and life. Resurrection and life are not something out or external to me, and I give it to you or to the people or to the dead. I personally, it's something inherent in me. I am the life. Okay, what do we get from that? Okay. I don't know if you see this, an interesting question, a plausible answer, or, but okay, even if, let's say this is an interesting question, and this is a plausible answer, but what do we get from this? I think what we get is this. Sin and death are two sides of one coin. To the point, they are cause and effect and closely intertwined to the point that you can use them interchangeably. And sometimes the Bible used them interchangeably. Death and sin are one thing. Sin is a daily experience for us, right? There is no one without blemish, even though his life on earth be a single day. So we know sin. But if sin and death, and we know that, and we make that connection, and we have that connection very clear, then we should repent. Because if death is the greatest reason for weep, 
And sin is similar to death or the other side of its coin. Then, because we are sinning, we need to weep. But, Jesus who said and who wept in front of the tomb of Lazarus is the one who told told the, the, the woman, the widow of Nain not to weep because of the, the, the resurrection he's going to grant to that son. I think the same. We weep because of our sins. And we should. We should. However, this feeling of repentance should make us see the forgiveness, the love of God, the heaven that is open for the sinners, the life that is granted and restored to the dead sinners. I hope we, t- we, we think seriously about that. If you remember the last time I was speaking to you, it was the, the, the miracle when Jesus, when they, they brought him the paralyzed man, and Jesus said, which is easier? To tell him, take up your bed and walk, or to tell him, your sins are forgiven? It's easier to tell him, arise and walk, and he did that. However, what is more important is the forgiveness of sins. I think we should be always in the midst of that. We have a conflict inside. We want to do the good, but we end up doing the bad. And because of that, and because we do the bad, we should weep, we should repent, but we should always be rejoicing. Because the forgiveness that is granted, it's granted to those who repent. That's why St. Isaac is a Syrian. He says, there is no sin without forgiveness except the one that is without repentance. And he's very exclusive here. There is no sin without forgiveness except the one without repentance. And you can, the, the contrary is true as well. That any sin can never be forgiven except if there is no repentance. That's why we need to to think of, of repentance as something we do every day. If we sin and we are weak, then we need to weep and repent. I cannot forget a saintly man. He used to come and confess with me. He was an old man. And he was, he he passed away. He was hit by a car in Egypt and, and he passed away. But he used to come and confess and I can never forget his confession. I mean, this has been, he, he passed away, I think at least 10 years. But I cannot forget his confession. You know what his confession was? One of the repeated confessions he he confessed with, in prayers I don't find enough tears. With all sincerity. With all sincerity. To tell you the truth, I was ashamed of myself. I don't pray as, as I'm his father of confession. confession. He's much better than me. He's much better. 
He used to say, I don't find tears, and I'm not, I don't find the tears I used to have in prayers. He was a saintly man. But this is what he was saying. I'm, I'm struggling to find tears in, in prayers. I'm not saying you should, you should shed tears. I'm not saying this. But I'm saying the feeling that I want to come back to him. That's why tears cleanse, cleanse us. This dilemma of should we rejoice or should we weep? Actually, they are together. As much as we see our sins that require us to shed tears, as much as we see His forgiveness that make us rejoice, and this again, as much as sin and death are two sides of one coin, I think as repentance and rejoicing are two sides of one coin. That's why Christians should be rejoicing. In the, the book of, uh, the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 16, there is a verse that says, you should, so that you surely rejoice. You should surely rejoice. Rejoice is a commandment. Rejoice in the Lord and I say rejoice. Saint Paul. Rejoice. It's an, it's an instruction. It's a commandment. But we will rejoice when we repent. When we are in peace with God. I think a, a great depiction, I'm gonna conclude with this. A great depiction of that, that, the inclusion of things that they, they are seemingly in, in contradiction with each other. Sadness, weeping, and rejoicing. We can see it in, in 2 Corinthians chapter, uh, 7. St. Paul is talking to the Corinthians. He rebuked them severely for allowing in the church fornication, adultery. They allowed sin. Same thing we can see now in our world. People are trying to justify sin, sins, I mean clear sins, obvious sins. We try to tolerate these sins under the many labels. It can be tolerance, it can be acceptance, it can be inclusion, it can be under so many appealing names and labels. But the name, the true name is, it's a sin. So he, they accepted and tolerated that in their church. So he rebuked them in the first epistle. And then he sent them a second epistle saying the, the following. For even if I made you sorry with my letter, my former letter that I sent, First Corinthians I do not regret it, though I did regret it. How can you affirm and negate the same verb at the same time? I mean, whether it is true or not true. Affirmative or negative. They cannot be at the same, but he put them at the same statement. He said, I regret that I rebuked you. But I don't regret. How come? He's going to explain. For I perceive that the same epistle made you sorry, though only for a while. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry. I did mean. God doesn't like to see our, our tears. 
But our tears cleanse us and make us ready to rejoice in his peace. For I perceive that the same epistle made you sorry, though only for a while. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. For you were made sorry in a godly manner. So weeping because of our sins is a godly manner. And the more you do that, the more rejoicing you will have in your heart. Trust me. Trust me. I have seen it. And I remember I was with someone in confession. And the lady, she was shedding tears because certain sin. And actually, she didn't come to confess. I had to confront her with with something. People told me, she's she's in, in the midst of something wrong. You have to talk to her. I talked to her. By the way, in many cases, this, confront, this confrontation doesn't end well. People would try to evade and say, who told you? Why me? And, and all kinds of ways to evade repentance. But this was one of the very fortunate cases where she asked, what can I do? And she started to cry. And while we were talking and I asked her, are you happy? Are you, are you, are you, are you joyful now? She said, very much. While the tears are still on her eyes. I think that's exactly repentance and, re, and rejoicing. That's why the church, when, when the, the epistle of, of, of James, when he said weep and wail and, he didn't say this in a negative way. Because if you did that, because of your sins, you will rejoice the real, the true joy. So he goes on to say, "For godly sorrow, for you were made sorry. Uh, the, for you, you were made sorry in a godly manner, that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. I won't lose you. For godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation. I hope you you, you memorize this verse. I think you, in in Sunday school you are doing uh, Bible verses to memorize, right?" I think this is a good one. I hope you, you, you do this. For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, not to be regretted. But the sorrow of the world produces death. The, the sorrow of this world was Judas. He felt bad and then he said, suicide. How much do you hear about suicide in your high schools? A lot. Programs. Hotline, if you have suicidal thoughts, if you heard of someone is suicidal, you should report it. And every, I think every year, in every high school, at least I remember when my kids were in high school, almost every year, at least one, at least one, and some of the, the youth here experienced, went through that experience more than once, to see their friends Suicide. So this is the the, 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 the the sorrow of the world. But the, the godly sorrow leads to repentance. Uh, sorry, I made I made it too long today. For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces this. I'm gonna stop here, that's enough. But I hope we we think of that. The 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 way to true joy is repentance. Repentance can mean that I weep. 
But I will hear then, do not weep. And I will find our Lord waiting for us in heaven to take up all the tears we have shed. I think this is what we hear in Revelation. That He will wipe out all our tears. Those who shed tears because of their repentance, they will have the hand of God, the loving hand of God, wiping out their tears. While if we enjoyed this life, we lived the wild life, I think we will, many of the people who seem very happy on social media, they are very sad inside. We, 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 we ask and pursue the true joy inside, and glory be to God forever, man. Hey, I'm